Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're going to be wise in this world, wisdom, first, Ask God, who's our Father, it's prayer, is this best for me? Now, when I was younger, I would never have said this statement. I would just say, God, is this good for me? There's lots of good things in life. But I've learned as I've moved along in my life, I don't want the good things. I want the best things. And by the way, the only one that knows the best for you is God. It's not you. We all think we want what's best for our lives. The reality is we want what we think is best within our frame of reference. The idea of asking the God who created the universe for his idea of what's best for us rarely enters our mind. We'll see, as Pastor Mark teaches on the story we know of as the prodigal son, that what we want for ourselves may not be the best thing for us in the long run. We'll see the callousness of both sons in this story and the loving attitude of the Father. We'll see how this story applies to us and our attitudes towards our Father, and there will be much to think about. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 15 with part one of his message, Two Lost Sons and One Loving Father. This is a great chapter, Luke chapter 15. We learned a lot of things doing the first 10 verses. We learned Jesus teaching the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin. Now, there's some principles we learned while we were there, some key things, and I want you to say these with me. Here we go. Lost, found, repent, and rejoice. In both of those things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, that's the thing. Lost, found, repent, rejoice. Now, when you get to a parable, there's ways to take it. You have to be very careful. You don't read a lot more into what it is and come up with 47 different themes. Really, there's usually one or two key themes. And here's the theme today. Here it is. God's love for the lost. That's what Jesus is trying to show. He's trying to tell it. And he uses stories. You see, sometimes... When a pastor said, I'm going to tell you a story today, when Jesus did it, people go, whoa, okay, okay. I'm going to go through 12 verses. <laughs> so he loved to tell stories. So if you fall asleep this morning, I will speak to you during the service. Now, no, I'm just kidding. Here we go. The prodigal is probably the most familiar of all of Jesus' parables. When you think about that, it's different because most people think about the prodigal son. Well, That's part of it, but it's actually a father with two sons, not just one. So you'll see the difference as we go through. Now, when Jesus was headed to Jerusalem, in a a short while, he'll go to the cross. He really has 
the same audience with him. And as in this parable, we have actually three different groups of people. First, we have his disciples. And it, let's say I'm Jesus and I'm teaching the parable this morning. Well, all of you that are Christians, disciples, I'm speaking this to you. Now, why would I speak this to you? You're not lost. You're already found. You've already come to Christ. Well, you were learning how to deal with people. You were learning how to deal with the other two groups, the Pharisees and the sinners. And you learn from Jesus What do I do with these people? They didn't like each other. How do I minister to them? Because when Jesus goes back to heaven, the whole church is left to these disciples. Of course, the church is left to you. The church is you. It's you and I as Christians. So as they take over for Jesus, they're going to learn this. And they need to learn the key points. So all of you that are Christians this morning, you just turn to your neighbor and say, I need to listen to the key points. Go ahead, just tell them. I need to listen to the key points. Now, I already gave you the theme. Now, so the first group of people listening are the disciples. Second group of people that are listening to Jesus are the tax collectors. We'd call them IRS today. Mm-hmm. And of course, they were cheats. I won't say that. But in those days, they were cheats. They robbed the people. They usually worked for Rome. And so we have the tax collectors and we have just plain old sinners. Now, anybody ever been a sinner? Just, let's just raise our hands right up. Of course. So you can identify with these people because we all started as sinners. But the third group were the religious leaders, the Jewish. They didn't believe they were ever sinners. They're part of the Jewish family. We're good enough. We keep the law perfectly. Mm, Maybe not. And so that's what he had. By the way, the Pharisees hated to be around sinners. Don't touch me. They thought they would be contaminated. So there's the three groups, but there's another whole group. You're going to see it come. So this is the audience, and I have all of those people in here. You say, Pastor Mark, there's no Jewish people that are Pharisees here. No, but what that represents is religious people who come to church. You'll see later, do good things, serve, but they don't have a relationship with God. We have some of them here in the service, just like every church does every week. Sometimes you and I were those people before we turned our life over to God. Of course, we have sinners and we have disciples. And you'll see how this fits in with all of us. Now, look at verse 11, chapter 15 of Luke. And Jesus continued from the story of the coin and the sheep. And there was a man who had, say it with me, two sons. Now, to understand the parable, you have to understand the players the people that are in it. So it'd be good for you to write this down in your Bible if you write this parable because it's such a well-known and it's such a powerful, here it is. The father of the two sons, when we apply it spiritually, it's God. His God is the one. Now, the first son is called the younger son. He's the youngest one. He represents tax collectors and sinners. So that's a picture of him. Remember, those are the people in the audience, and you'll see how they relate to the story. Jesus, of course, is God in the story. And the elder son, the older one, that most people never even think about when they think about the prodigal son. And the elder son represents the Pharisees and the scribes, those self-righteous people that said, I don't need anything. I'm perfectly fine. I do good works. I'm going to heaven because of my good works. So that's kind of the picture of who we have. So you'll see those here. Father is God. 
first son, younger, represents the sinners, basically. And the second son, the elder one, we call him, more the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. In Jewish society, we know from the book of Deuteronomy, if you had two sons, the oldest son basically would get two-thirds of the inheritance when the father died. That was given. He would carry on the name and all the rest. He gets two-thirds. The younger son would get one-third. So that's the way it would be divided. So what is this son saying? First of all, he basically says this, Father, I can't wait around hanging out here until you die. I want my one-third right now. Give it to me right now. So we see right from the start, he has little care for his father and only thinks about himself. Now take that spiritually. He has really little care for God and he only thinks about himself. Now, it's interesting when you see this. Look back at the last line. So he divided, the father did this. We don't even know why the father did this. He divided his property between them. We don't know all the details, but we can give you an idea. Probably had some kind of an estate, had some land. And the son says, I want my one third. Well, what would he give his one, the one third to the son? The son's going to have one third of 10 acres. Of course not. He wants what? Tell me. He wants money. Well, what's the father going to have to do? He's going to have to sell some of it. So he's going to sell land, part of his business, whatever. What a difficult thing to do. So he does that and he gives two thirds to the elder son and one third to the younger son. Now, when you see what he's asked for, it's very interesting. He doesn't go to his father. We don't see this anywhere. And say to his father, give me the... No, he doesn't go to him and say, hey, dad, you know what? I got some things I want to do. Is it a wise thing for me at this age to get my inheritance now? He never asks that. He never even considers that. He's going to do everything on his own. Now, remember, the father is God. So this is a picture of people just saying, well, really, I want what I want now. And... uh, uh, I don't really care whether you want me to have a God or not. This is, this is what I want. So what is this a picture of? This is a huge thing for all of us as Christians. Be careful what we ask for. Because sometimes God gives it to us. It doesn't make sense to us. Why would the father would do this? If you and I were the father, we're probably saying to the son, son, you wait till I die, then you'll get it. Yeah, you'll ruin yourself with this. This is foolish. But the father doesn't do it. He gives it to him. So here's the way... You need to balance that. I need to balance that. Here's a principle you want to write down this morning. If you're going to be wise in this world, wisdom, first, ask God, who's our father, it's prayer, is this best for me? Now, when I was younger, I would never have said this statement. I would just say, God, is this good for me? There's lots of good things in life. But I've learned as I've moved along in my life, I don't want the good things. I want the best things. And by the way, the only one that knows the best for you is God. It's not you. 
And be careful because he doesn't even approach the father. He just was, here's what I want. Have a nice life. And you'll see what that looks like. So understand when you see that, Jesus told us this principle. The disciples are going, aha, I remember Jesus saying this. We ask him how to pray. Here's what Jesus said. Our Father, this is for all of us as Christians, Christ followers, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, he got his money. Watch what happens. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, a few clothes, his money, and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild, immoral living. The meaning of that word prodigal is an interesting word. Here's the meaning for you. Prodigal means wasteful. It means reckless. It means excess. He's never had money like that. He's in a distant place. Sometimes when you see the word distant, you're thinking, well, is he like you know, 20 kilometers from home or 50 miles away? Did he go? Where did he go? Distant doesn't mean that at all. Distant country means he's as far as he wants to get away from his father. Who's his father? God. See, that's a prodigal. A prodigal is a person that used to have a relationship with God. He was at home with God. He got benefits from God. But he decided, I'm going to backslide. I don't want anything to do with God again. I'm going to get off on my own, and I'm going to live my life the way I want to live. Now, when you see that happening... I think there's something interesting as you think about this this morning. Watch this. As he leaves, it's a picture of the fourth individual Jesus is speaking to. That's prodigals. That's people we would call today backslidden. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Guaranteed. We have prodigals just as well as we have sinners. Just as well as we have religious people who think they're going to heaven because they're good. But we have prodigals. We have people that once had a relationship with God, then they backslid. They walked away. God had enough of that. I'm just going to do life on my own. If I need you, I'll call you. We have those people here. You're here. And you'll see the result of this. And as you think about this, what you're going to read is exactly where you're going to be. All the circumstances will be very different. But the goal of a prodigal, you'll see in the story, is to come home. Is to come back to a relationship with God. And we're going to give all of you that are sinners or prodigals or backslidden a chance to do that at the end. This is what the whole thing is about. Now, while he's there with his money, is he having a good time? Absolutely. If he's in Vegas, he's saying this. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas which is a total lie because nothing stays there. By the way, when you leave there, you take you with you with all the crud. But he's reckless in wild living. In fact, we learn at the end, even including prostitutes. He's having the time of his life. Now his money, watch me, fueled his rebellion. You see, if you have a relationship with God and walk away from God, 
What are you doing? It's just a rebellion. You're walking away. You don't want to be under the control of the father anymore. You want to do life your way. That's exactly what he's doing. So he has no thoughts of God. He's away from God. He's the ruler of his whole life. In fact, he doesn't want to have anything to do with God. You know why? Because he is now God. I'm going to do my life and I'm going to do it my way. Now, here comes the problem. Look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, watch what happens. There was a severe famine in that country. And he began to be, circle the word, in need. Watch me. Now that his money is gone, his friends are gone. How did he get so many friends so easy? The next round is on me. I'll take that round too. When his money is gone, where did they go? You know, it's nice to know in life who your real friends are. Those are not real friends. They were using him. He's too young to know. So when his money is gone, his friends are gone. The good times are gone. The prostitutes, are they gone? Of course, they don't work for nothing. They're gone. And his food is gone. He doesn't have anything to eat. Now, I want you to write this down. Sometimes we forget this. There is pleasure in sin, but only for a short time. Pastor Mark, you're a pastor. You're telling me there's pleasure in sinning? Hello. If there wasn't pleasure in sin, why would you sin? It's like, let's take sin as liver. Oh, I'll have some liver. You'd never eat liver if there was no pleasure in eating it. By the way, I'm one that won't eat liver. Whatever. Some of you like it. Sinners. Oh, no, I'm not sorry. Let's just, let's come back. So see, Moses is the one that said that. See, there is pleasure in sin. Of course there is. That's our old nature. There's pleasure in walking away from God. Finally, I'm free. But you're going to learn in a moment. You're not free. You're in bondage. There's pleasure in sin, but only for a short time. I like the Old Testament. It says it's fleeting. Well, he had his fun while it was there. But it was so short, it's all done. Now, as that happens, he's beginning to do something that all of us do. By the way, let me just stop for a second. As I talk about the prodigal kind of walking away from God, one and doing our own thing, are there any Christians, Christ followers here, that once in a while we have a little bit of prodigal in us? Can I see your hand? The rest of you are lying through your teeth. Because sometimes we go, okay, God, I'm not waiting on you. I'm going to do this because I think this is the best thing to do. And later we go, whoops, that was not really good. So, Prodigal can be tempter. Usually that's how it happens. Just a little start, and then pretty soon, how, how did I get here? That's the way sin works. Sin always takes you farther than you ever imagined you would go and do things you never dreamed you would do. That's why Satan's deceptive. He's called a deceiver. Well, here he is. So he has no money. He has no friends. He has no prostitutes. He has no food. So he begins to think. And here's the words he starts using in his mind. 
if only I had not asked for my inheritance. But see, it's too late. He dreamed of being free of his father. He is, but now he's in need, just like all of us. Sometimes we fight that. Our old sin nature says, be your own God. Be independent from God. Remember, that is not how Christianity works. So I want you to write this down. If we choose to leave God, and it's our choice, and do life without God, I can guarantee you this from my own life, and you know it well, things will go badly for us. Things will not end up well. Pleasure for a while, but then problems. No doubt the tax collectors and the sinners, as they're listening to this younger son, you know what one of the guys is saying to his wife? Honey, (laughs) they're talking about us. We thought all this lifestyle would be fantastic. You know what? We're, We're in need. He's talking about us. The tax collector saying, I got all the money I want. That's not relating to me. But I'm empty. It doesn't satisfy. He's talking to me. You see, those sinners that spent their life just like this, trying to find purpose and meaning to life, and they discover you can't do it without the Father. Life was never made to be independent from God. Everything they did was a dead end, and they were empty and lonely. They were in need. Now, as I said to you, as those people, the tax collectors and sinners, this is as far as the story goes. He's got nothing. And they're saying in their minds, well, that's us. What's going to happen to the younger son? What resources does he have? None. Can he go back to the father? I hope he can go back to the father. Is that what Jesus is going to say? Is there something we can do for our life? And those of you that are prodigals, backslidden, you're saying the same thing. Mr. Mark, I identify with that. I don't know how I got here. Is there any hope for me? That's what these people who were sinners were saying. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? When she was carried before Jesus and the leaders were ready to stone her, she's saying, there's no hope for me. I'm done. I'm finished. They're going to stone me. I sinned. I'm over with. Well, this is what these people are thinking. Is there any hope? You're thinking the same thing. Now, Satan will say to you, no hope for you. Stupid decision. You'll have to pay for it. That's it. God's not interested in you. He doesn't want you home. Careful. When you're going to see something in the story, I want you to write this down. There's hope for anyone because God loves everyone regardless. You'll see this in the story. This is Jesus trying to show us what God is like. Don't listen to the enemy, Satan. When we sin, the enemy says, don't even ask forgiveness. God won't forgive you. What you did, are you kidding? No, it's a lie. There's always hope for anyone because God loves us. In today's message, we learned we should be careful what we ask God for because he might give it to us. The story Pastor Mark began, the younger son got what he wanted, not realizing the inconvenience and expense that the father had to incur to make the boy's request possible. We also were taught about the father's generosity and care for his son. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. The next message, we'll find Pastor Mark continuing to expand on the story of the prodigal helping us to understand who Jesus' listening audience applied to, which character in the parable. We will also be taught where we may fit in the story, which may be a revelation to us. Pastor Mark will continue to teach on the deceitfulness of sin and where it ultimately brings us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.